Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode contains distressing themes profanity and descriptions of abuse. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Early on an autumn morning, the emergency services received a call that a teenager was unresponsive in Newtown, Wales. It was Saturday, October 10th, 2020. What the panicked woman on the other end of the line described was a far cry from the typical teenage weekend drinking sessions that ended with alcohol poisoning or injury. The caller was the motionless girl's grandmother. She contacted the emergency services as she had received a call from her son, Alan Titford. Alan was panicked. There was something seriously wrong with his 16-year-old daughter, Kaylee. The caller relayed all the information she had to the operator. Her son told her that Kaylee was cold to the touch. Okay, is the patient awake? I don't know. I just had a phone call off my son. Now he did wake his daughter up and he said she's cold and she won't wake up. Okay. Okay, where exactly is she? In the bedroom. They've got to go downstairs bedroom for her. Okay. Concerned, the call handler contacted Alan Titford directly to understand the extent of the emergency. Hello there, we've received a call. Is it from your, your mother there? Um, is this number... Yeah. Are you with a Katie Titford there? Yeah. Okay, so are you with the patient there now? No, I can't. Okay, so we received a call to say that you're unable to wake her, is that correct? Yeah. Okay, just confirm how old the patient is, please. Sixteen. Sixteen, okay. And are you... Is the patient awake? Oh. Okay, and are you able to wake them? Yeah. 
So. Okay, and are they breathing? I don't think so. Okay, so we're going to help her now there, okay? So I'm going to talk to you how to do it there. Just confirm, is she still unconscious? No. And are you able to wake her? Can you? Okay, stay on the line and I'll tell you exactly what yeah. to do next, okay? Are you right by her now? Yeah. Alan told the operator that his young daughter had a number of medical conditions and he was unable to get her onto the floor because she was too big for him to lift. When the paramedics arrived and saw the conditions that Kayleigh Titford had lived and died in, it led to a landmark case with the first conviction of its kind in the United Kingdom. Well, many of the images shown to the jury during this trial are simply too disturbing to share. The conditions in which Kaylee uh, was living uh, were completely um, insanitary. Um, they were inhumane. One would not expect uh, to see um, a, a fellow human um, being expected to live in. The ulcers on Kaylee's body caused by pressure sores, lack of hygiene, lack of movement and lack of professional care were the worst the expert had ever seen. This was a horrifying case. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 10 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Okay, are you able to, I need you to get her onto the floor there. Can you lay her flat on her back on the floor and remove no, the pillow? No, Can somebody help you there? Have you got somebody else there at the property to help you? Uh, I got my somebody upstairs in bed. I'm going to have that. Okay, we really need to help her there now, okay? So we need to get her onto the floor. If there is somebody uh, there that can help you. Do we never get it back up? Honestly, she's... That's fine. We need to help her there now, OK? Don't worry about getting her back up there. We need Sorry. to get her onto the floor. Alan Titford told the cool handler that he could not wake his daughter or lift her out of bed because she was too heavy. OK, so we, we need to get her onto the floor then, OK? Before they do get to her there. Yeah, they're here. Are they in the room with you? Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you go with them, okay? Thank you, bye. Paramedic Gareth Wynne Evans was the first at the scene. 2020 marked the 15th year Gareth had been working for the Welsh Ambulance Service. His position was clinical team leader, and he usually worked alone. He was met at the property in Newtown by a member of Kayleigh Titford's family before being brought through the conservatory. Gareth was then led to a bedroom on the ground floor with an adapted bathroom close to a kitchen. The veteran paramedic was shocked by the unsanitary and cluttered condition of the room. There were dirty dishes piled up along with bottles of urine and numerous items that seemed out of place covering the floor. A partially deflated balloon and birthday card sat on the windowsill, left over from a birthday party two weeks earlier. 
as the paramedic approached the adapted hospital bed where 16-year-old Kaylee was lying. He realised she was much larger than he had expected. She was in bed covered by a blanket. She was sitting almost upright. Kaylee's face was pale, her lips were blue, and her large brown eyes were open. When Gareth took her hand to feel for a pulse, he could tell that rigor mortis had set in, so he informed the family that there was nothing more that he could do. To confirm that Kaylee was dead, Gareth had to attach electrodes to her ankles to ensure there was not a faint heartbeat. In order to do so, he had to pull back the covers, and when he did, Gareth was hit with a smell that led him to think the poor teenager had gangrene. He could also see that her sheets had not been changed for some time, and she was lying on soiled incontinence pads. He confirmed there was no heartbeat and no other signs of life. Kaylee Titford was pronounced dead at 8.12am. After removing the electrodes, Gareth Wynne Evans had to step outside for some air because of the smell. PC Liam Donovan from David Powis Police was the first officer to arrive at the home. He noticed an overpowering smell of urine in the room, and the electrical hoist used to move Kaylee was covered in cobwebs. It had been switched off at the mains. This indicated that the teenager had not been moved from her bed in some time, and Kaylee was unable to move by herself. Later in the day, an officer captured the scene on his body cam. He did his best not to be sick before quickly leaving the room. It is 12.19 on Saturday 10th of October 2020. And this is the bed of... Uh, Kaylee Tipford. Kaylee Titford was born in 2004 to parents Alan Titford and Sarah Lloyd Jones, a couple who had five other children. Kaylee was diagnosed with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. Spina bifida is a congenital spinal defect where a part of the spine and its meninges are exposed, often resulting in lower limb paralysis. Hydrocephalus is a neurological disorder characterised by a build-up of cerebrospinal fluid within the brain. The procedure soon after birth meant that Kaylee did not have reduced brain function as a result and had no cognitive impairment. Because of these conditions, she used a wheelchair from a young age, but was a determined little girl. When she began attending primary school, 
it was clear that she would not let her disabilities hold her back. Kaylee went on to attend Newtown High School, where staff members described her as funny and chatty. Her learning support assistant said that Kaylee had been enthusiastic about sports such as tennis and basketball. She participated in wheelchair sports with the Enable Sport Club and attended wheelchair basketball sessions at a leisure centre in Welshpool. The teenager had been signposted to a Disability Sport Wales Pathway programme that scouted athletes to participate in the Paralympics. With a fiercely independent character, she was proud and did not like asking for help. However, when a nationwide lockdown was imposed amid the coronavirus pandemic, Kaylee was confined to her bedroom. Isolated at home with just her parents to provide basic care, Kaylee's long-term weight issues worsened, and she was left to fester in a room unsuitable for her needs. In fact, anyone's needs. Alan Titford worked long hours for a removals firm. Sarah Lloyd-Jones was employed as a full-time community carer during the pandemic, so Kaylee was frequently left alone in her bed. It was clear to investigators and first responders that Kaylee Titford's needs had not been met for a prolonged period. Subsequently, her parents were arrested on suspicion of manslaughter. Alan Titford and Sarah Lloyd-Jones were cautioned and questioned at Newtown Police Station. During his interview, Titford claimed that his partner did the housework and looked after Kaylee. He told the detective, It's been hard, but we've got through it. I'm just not a very good partner and dad. I don't do much around the house. She's a female. I couldn't do things that Sarah could do. I feel bad. Thinking back now, I think I could have done more. Tidford explained that Kaylee's mother knew more about their daughter's care and he was uncomfortable doing most of it once Kaylee hit puberty. He had not seen Kaylee out of bed since March 2020, seven months prior to her death. He described how Kaylee spent most of her time on her phone or computer. Tidford said, She very rarely talked to me. She'd answer questions and tell me to get out. I'd ask if she was okay, if she needed anything. Tea, biscuits, crisps or whatever. I offered tea on Friday gone and she said no, get out. That's quite common because she didn't want me to see who she was talking to or watching on Netflix. Like a cheeky teenager. Not nasty. Alan Titford denied noticing any smells in the room despite Kaylee being unable to fit into the shower area for around a year. The adapted bathroom was primarily used by the family's dog. 
Titford was asked about blisters on his daughter's legs, and he explained that she kept getting them because she would not move her legs. He said Kaylee was stubborn. According to Kaylee's father, they had not taken her to a doctor because she was vulnerable in shielding. They didn't want her to catch coronavirus. He was asked about the morning Kaylee was found and said that he had woken up to Kaylee's mother screaming, I think she's dead. Titford stated, I gave Sarah a hug and she said, What do we do? I said, phone my mum, she'd know what to do. I was a bit emotional. I was not making sense. Alan Titford was asked how his daughter came to be in that situation. The 16-year-old was morbidly obese. Bed sores and ulcers covered her body, and she was preyed upon by flies and maggots. Admitting neglect, Alan Titford responded, saying it was laziness from mine and her mother's part. Almost a year and a half would pass before Kaylee's parents, 44-year-old Alan Titford and 39-year-old Sarah Lloyd-Jones, were charged with gross negligence manslaughter and causing or allowing the death of a child or vulnerable person in March 2022. They both pleaded not guilty in July of that year, but by December, Kaylee's mother changed her mind. Lloyd-Jones pleaded guilty to manslaughter by gross negligence at Mould Crown Court on December 12. She was to be sentenced following her partner's trial. What do you have to say, Mr. Tisford? Nothing. How could you let that happen to your daughter? Anything to say about your daughter, Kaylee? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Alan Titford's trial began on January 17th, 2023 at Mould Crown Court. In her opening statement, the prosecutor explained that Kayleigh Titford's body had been discovered by her mother on the morning of October 10th, 2020. After the emergency services were contacted, paramedics were dispatched to the home. Caroline Rees KC said, The prosecution say that the scene, as witnessed by those that attended, together with the state in which Katie's body was found, demonstrate clearly that this vulnerable girl who relied heavily on others for her welfare needs was seriously neglected by not just one but both of her parents, who owed her a duty of care. The prosecutor told the court that the pathologist who performed Kaylee's post-mortem had noted that the teenager's basic hygiene needs had not been attended to in weeks. Kaylee's hair was matted into clumps, and she had weeping ulcers on her foot that contained fly larvae. Dr. Derek James listed Kaylee Titford's cause of death as, quote, Inflammation and infection in extensive areas of ulceration arising from obesity and its complications, and immobility in a girl with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. Caroline Rees Casey told the jury that despite Kaylee's health complications, she had not seen a medical professional for nine months preceding her death. She had become morbidly obese, weighing over 22 stone or 308 pounds leaving her bedbound. Unable to go to the bathroom, she was catheterized. Kaylee was in a horrific state. The prosecutor said, These maggots were there in life and death, and living conditions were not only foul, but her physical condition was awful too. 
The prosecutor argued that the duty of care fell on both Kaylee's mother and father. Alan Titford should have known how poor Kaylee's health was and monitored the environment where she spent 24 hours a day. Caroline Rees Casey listed the five failings that made up the basis of the case in which Titford was charged with manslaughter by gross negligence. Titford was said to have allowed his daughter to become morbidly obese, failed to look after her health, failed to provide a safe environment, failed to ensure her needs were met, and failed to seek medical assistance when needed. The prosecutor added that Kaylee's exposure to the outside world had become severely restricted during lockdown, and she did not see anyone outside her household. Caroline Rees Casey argued that hindered the possibility of others alerting the authorities that Kaylee was not being cared for. Rees told the court, The prosecution say that by the time of her death on the 9th to 10th of October 2020, Kaylee Titford was living in conditions unfit for any animal, let alone a vulnerable 16-year-old girl who depended entirely on others for her care. The first emergency responder to testify was paramedic Gareth Wynne Evans. He spoke about the strong odour he inhaled when he lifted the blanket to see if Kaylee had a pulse. He said, It was a damp smell. It was a horrific smell, as if something had died. My initial thought was gangrene or putrefaction of some description. The witness described how the scene played on his mind for the rest of the day and led to him making a safeguarding referral to social services. Caroline Rees Casey then read a statement from Katie Griffin and Maggie Lloyd, other paramedics who attended the property after Gareth Wynne Evans. They saw empty takeaway food bags and an uneaten cake in the room, along with general household items. Rubbish was scattered on the dirty floor. Maggie Lloyd said, I cannot describe the smell other than it was awful, and I've attended many sudden deaths but never experienced this before. The paramedics' descriptions were bolstered by the accounts of police officers who also attended the scene. PC Liam Donovan, who had been the first officer to arrive, compared Kaylee Titford's bedroom to a storage unit. He recalled that the state of Kaylee's body made him feel like he could have vomited on the spot. PC David Wilkinson explained that he had assisted at the property in order for crime scene investigators to take photographs and collect evidence. PC Wilkinson told the court, When we had to rip Kaylee's socks off, it gave a sound similar to ripping up a piece of paper. Her foot was unrecognisable as human feet, and it made me sad. I've done everything I can to forget it, but I can still remember it. It's not a scene that I felt comfortable in, and I was sad that someone had demised in that environment.' 
Wilkinson recalled helping the undertaker remove Kaylee's body from the bed and seeing maggots wriggling on the soiled incontinence pad she had been lying on. Another officer, Detective Constable Steve Williams, described what he saw to the court. It was clearly used as a storage room, contained car parts, boxes, bags of clothes. It was cluttered, certainly above waist level and even higher in the conservatory. It was supposed to be a bedroom, and there was everything you expect not to be in a bedroom. The pool table and boxes upon boxes. Food waste. I think there was some birthday cake. I'm sure there was a car pressure washer in there. Televisions, game consoles. But there was filth everywhere. Bottles of urine were stacked by the bed. DC Williams went on to explain he had to use a torch to see parts of the room. The officer testified... It was a really dank, musky, unclean stench in the air. I'm used to the smell of death, having been in a murder investigation team over many years. It was still a shock. There was no other way to describe it other than rotting flesh. I know the smell of death, and it didn't compute that this person was alive only hours earlier. The detective highlighted the lack of care Kaylee had received. I realised there were makeshift dressings, puppy pads, and they had been shoved down her back, in between her legs, underneath her tracksuit bottoms. They were very dirty. DC Williams had helped move Kaylee's body from the bed, and this was witnessed by his colleague, Detective Sergeant Stephen Vaughan. D.S. Vaughan described how he could see a number of flies buzzing around her body. He also saw Kaylee's feet after her socks were removed for a crime scene photographer. D.S. Vaughan testified, I've been a police officer for 17 years, and I've never smelt anything like that before. It struck me. You don't expect to encounter it, really. Dr. Derek James, a home office pathologist, addressed the court and described how ulcers on Kaylee's body had been festering for weeks. It was immediately apparent that Kaylee had not been washed properly in a very long time. When Dr. James received the remains, Kaylee's body was still dressed in tracksuit bottoms with puppy training pads stuffed in her clothing. She was still connected to a catheter and still covered in human waste and insects. Dr. James said, This was a 16-year-old girl with spina bifida who was grossly obese with a BMI of 70. There was no pathological reason for this obesity but for the consequences of her lack of mobility, consequence of her disability and down to her intake of food and drink. This was down to how she was being cared for. Dr. James described how Kaylee's lack of mobility and size caused circulation problems, which led to swelling and ulcers. 
One had developed on her right heel, which had gone down to the bone. Others on her legs were as large as nine inches. Testifying about the flies found in the bedroom and on Kaylee's remains, forensic entomologist Dr. Amaret Whitaker spoke via video link. She concluded that the maggots had been feeding on Kaylee's body and bed for at least 48 hours, meaning they were there days before she died. Dr. Whitaker said, The fact they were so closely associated with the body and were shown inside folds of skin makes me believe they were feeding on the body itself. They were attracted to wounds, for instance, such as bed ulcers. The fact that insects were an issue in the room had not gone unnoticed by Kaylee's parents. Flypaper had been attached to the ceiling, and at least 100 dead houseflies were trapped on its sticky surface. Dr. David Blake, a clinical podiatrist specialising in foot care, then took the stand. He had examined images of Kaylee's feet and estimated that her toenails had not been cut for six to ten months. He said that the socks she had been wearing when she died were heavily soiled and discoloured, as were her nails, which indicated a fungal nail infection. Speaking about the ulcer on Kaylee's heel, Dr. Blake said, The tissue was described as necrotic, dying tissue. Bacteria takes the opportunity to colonise the area, and one of the byproducts is it would have a strong pungent smell which would fill the room. Along with the ulcer on her foot, Kaylee also had them on her buttocks and thighs. Dr. Blake told the court, If there is an excessive amount of pressure over a period of time without being turned, the area starts to degrade in terms of tissue viability due to lack of oxygen in the area, and tissue starts to break down. It's historically part of good nursing care, and it is preventable. Pressure care mattresses and turning over is preventable, and if breakdown does occur, it can be resolved from proper turning of the patient and dressing on the wound. Dr. Blake said that antibiotics could have been used to treat the ulcers and aid healing. Highlighting the previous medical care Kaylee Titford had received, a community nurse testified that Kaylee had attended a hospital for treatment on a corn on her foot in 2019 and did not seem to be in pain. The nurse recommended Kaylee attend the Leg Club in Newtown which helped people with lower leg issues. However, Kaylee was never brought to the clinic. Linda Lee, a paediatric nursing expert, was asked to compile a report on Kaylee Titford's death in 2021 by David Powis Police. The expert witness described Kaylee's living environment as squalor. The home was chaotic, dirty, and unsuitable for any child. Linda Lee said that due to Kaylee's mobility issues, 
she needed to be repositioned frequently to prevent bed sores. She was not and consequently developed grade 4 lymphedema. Lymphedema is swelling within the body caused by a build-up of fluid. When plasma leaks out of the body's tissues, it can damage the skin and lead to ulcers and bed sores. The witness testified that Kaylee's bed should have had rails to allow her to move herself in bed, but because it didn't, she was left entirely reliant on her parents for help both with movement and personal care. Bed sores were also caused by friction, the high acidity levels from the incontinence pad she was left to lie on, and a lack of hygiene. Alan Titford's counsel, David Elias Casey, asked Linda Lee if she felt that Kaylee had been let down by the system and a lack of services. The paediatric nursing expert responded, I feel that Kaylee was let down by her parents. They did not initiate medical attention for her since 2016, when she had concurrent skin infections. It's down to the parents to trigger it. There should have been more medical support for Kaylee. Kaylee did not receive the basic care that she needed from her parents, which meant that she could retain her independence. The defence barrister postulated that Kaylee's parents could have become used to the smell in her room, similar to families of diabetic patients. But Linda Lee replied, the smell would have been of rotting flesh, and no one can get used to that. Consultant community paediatricians Dr. Barbara Rogers and Dr. Matilde Manns, who had treated Kaylee, also testified. Dr. Rogers had been working as a consultant community paediatrician since 2006 and her role was to coordinate care appointments for children who needed them. She had treated Kaylee from 2006 to 2013. Dr. Manns had seen Kaylee after that. Both doctors had expressed concerns over Kaylee's weight from the time she was three years old. Kaylee had been born an average size but by the age of three her weight was in the 99th percentile range. Her size continued to increase until she began seeing specialists who tried to stabilise it. Her father had been the one to take her to the appointments between 2011 and 2013, and Kaylee's weight did stabilise for a time, but afterwards it began to increase rapidly again. Kaylee's parents continually missed appointments with their daughter's doctors. Eventually, they were taken off the list and no longer offered services. They did not seek help either. Dr. Catherine Moore had also been commissioned to write a report by the David Powis Police. Dr. Moore had worked for the NHS as a consultant community paediatrician for almost 25 years. She reiterated that Kaylee Titford relied on others for help with hygiene, mobility and other basic care needs, so Kaylee would be considered as very vulnerable. 
Caroline Rees KC asked Dr. Moore if she thought Kaylee was being looked after, and the doctor replied, Absolutely not. She was found in a position where she had not been adequately cared for for quite a length of time. Kaylee had not been listed as a child in need at the time of her death, and there was no explanation as to why. She did not have carers supporting her. Defence barrister David Elias Casey noted that Dr Moore had stated in her report that there was not a dedicated key worker for Kaylee and a lack of multi-agency involvement. Dr Moore replied, Kaylee had complex medical needs which were not met. She was not cared for and she lived in an unsanitary environment. She had no quality of life and it looked like she had not been moved for a very long time. Moving away from experts in the medical field, the prosecution also sought to paint a picture of Kaylee's life and the type of person she was. On the ninth day of the trial, some of the staff from Newtown High School where Kaylee had attended recounted their experiences with the teenager. Belinda Jones, one of Kaylee's learning support assistants, said that Kaylee had been very independent at school and enjoyed interacting with her support workers and other pupils. Describing Kaylee, the witness said, She was funny, chatty. She was a lovely girl. I got on extremely well with her. She did have a wheelchair for basketball, especially for that. She was good at it. When she first came to the school, I think she was looked at by the Paralympics, either for basketball or tennis. Linda Jones told the court that as Kaylee grew older and gained weight, she became increasingly upset and lost her passion for sports. She wasn't as enthusiastic as before. I feel it was because of her weight. She was getting bigger for her wheelchair, and she used her hands to push the wheels on the wheelchair to get around. Her legs were very tight. She just didn't look comfortable in it. Kaylee had been out of school since March 2020 due to school closures as part of the COVID-19 lockdown measures. But when the school reopened in September, Kaylee did not return to her class. The school had contacted her parents, and her mother Sarah Lloyd-Jones gave numerous excuses as to why Kaylee had not returned as planned. Text messages between Kaylee's mother and father were read to the court in which Sarah Lloyd-Jones described herself as a single mother who did everything. Lloyd-Jones, who was working as a carer during the pandemic, said that she was drained from work and caring for Kaylee. She complained about not getting help at home and there were messages where she had asked Alan Titford to tell their daughter Kaylee to empty her incontinence bag. 
Titford would often text his daughter when they were both in the house, and these messages were read to the court. In one exchange he told her, Lift your leg or you'll lose it. Kaylee replied, I don't care. It's not like I use it anyway. On the night before she was found dead, Titford had sent a text message telling Kaylee to stop screeching. She never replied. While it was argued that Alan Titford was not doing anywhere near enough to support his daughter, based on the agreed statement of facts, neither was her mother. Kaylee's medical records showed that she had been discharged from a dietitian in 2018 because of missed appointments. Kaylee's mother, Sarah Lloyd Jones, had begun working with a community care company in early 2019. She had been on her way to obtaining an NVQ Level 2 in health and social care by the time of Kaylee's death. Lloyd-Jones' training included health and safety, taking care of adults at risk, and safeguarding. When the defence began their case halfway through the trial, Alan Titford testified on his own behalf. Sitting in the witness box, he wore a grey jumper, black trousers and Nike trainers. Titford told the court that he and Kaylee's mother had been together for over 20 years and they had lived with their six children, including Kaylee. He explained that they had moved into a property already adapted for someone with mobility needs. Initially, they never had to use the hoist because Kaylee was capable of moving herself from her bed to her wheelchair if it was close enough. Titford described Kaylee as a determined young girl who was not treated any differently than his other children. They had been close when she was younger, but drifted apart when she became a teenager. Titford testified that he had been a hands-on dad when the children were younger. However, when Kaylee started menstruating, he was uncomfortable, and Kaylee's mother took over all of her care including organising any medical appointments. According to Titford, he was busy working as a foreman in his removals job six days a week and was often away from home. He denied being aware of the horrific conditions Kaylee was left in and said that if he had been, he would have done something about it. During cross-examination by Caroline Rees KC, the defendant was asked why he told the police Kaylee had not moved since March 2020, but on the stand he was now saying she could get around the house in her wheelchair. The evidence showed that Kaylee's chair was too small for her, and she had no room to manoeuvre around the clutter in her bedroom. Titford claimed that he was upset and confused at the time. He did not check on his daughter because Kaylee's mother was meant to be looking after her. 
The prosecutor inquired about the text messages Titford had sent to the 16-year-old telling her to stop screeching before she was found dead. The defendant responded that his daughter always screamed when she wanted someone out of her room, so he had no reason to check on her. He just texted her instead. Titford agreed that he had been as much to blame for Kaylee's death as his partner, who had already pleaded guilty. When asked why he had let his daughter down so badly, Titford replied, I'm lazy. Closing speeches then began. Prosecutor Caroline Rees KC told the jury, It's no excuse for Alan Titford to say I was lazy, I was a poor parent. She deserved and needed love, care and personal dignity and had a right to expect it from those who should have cared for her the most, both of her parents, but they seriously and grossly failed in caring for their daughter. Alan Titford's defence counsel, David Elias Casey, asked the jury to look at the facts, not be guided by emotion. He said that just because Sarah Lloyd-Jones had pleaded guilty to manslaughter did not mean his client was guilty. Elias said, When he says and agrees in the witness box, yes, I am equally to blame for the death of my daughter, we say of course he says that many months, years later, bearing what he now knows, seen and heard. What else would he say? That is how he feels about it but that does not mean he is legally responsible for these charges. David Elias Casey claimed that Titford did not know about the conditions Kaylee was living in and tried to prove this by recalling the testimony of a paramedic who did not notice a smell of urine until he lifted the blankets. The defence barrister told the jury, If you can divorce yourself from the graphic images and the revulsion brought onto you, and instead try him on the evidence. A jury of eight men and four women decided Alan Titford's fate. On February 7th, 2023, they returned after seven hours of deliberation with a unanimous verdict. Alan Titford was found guilty of gross negligence manslaughter. Lead investigator Detective Chief Inspector Jonathan Rees spoke outside the court, describing the circumstances of Kaylee's death as tragic and how her parents would have to live with the part they played for the rest of their lives. The conditions in which Kaylee was found were abhorrent and indicated shocking neglect over a prolonged period of time, both environmentally and physically. An extensive police investigation included engagement with the Crown Prosecution Service, along with medical, dental and environmental experts. This investigation has been extensive and at times harrowing given Kaylee's age and the conditions in which she was living. 
Yet my officers and partners have worked diligently and professionally throughout. I'd like to thank them for their efforts and for getting justice for Cayley. I would also like to thank those at New Cayley and members of the community in which Cayley lived for their patience during this sensitive investigation. Thank you. How does this case compare in your investigation looking at the scale of, of the neglect? As, as I say, the, the scale of neglect was um, significant, um, truly shocking, um, and a, a, a tragedy um, for, for Cayley. Um, the neglect uh, had clearly um, been ongoing for a prolonged period of time. And how has it been for those officers who saw firsthand the conditions that she lived in and died in? Yes, the, the officers who uh, have been involved in this investigation and also those officers who were involved at the very outset of the investigation um, really will not be able to put uh, this experience um, out of their minds um, and uh, a real impact will have been um, made on those officers. Th thank you. Alan Titford and Sarah Lloyd-Jones were brought to Swansea Crown Court for a sentencing hearing on March 1st, 2023. Prosecutor Caroline Rees-Casey addressed the court and spoke about how Kaylee Titford was cared for by her parents. Kaylee lived and died in squalor and degradation. She was a severely disabled child who needlessly had become bedbound, trapped in appalling conditions surrounded by her own filth. It was a rancid combination of urine, feces and secretions from her own body, including her ulcerated limbs. It was in that environment that she spent every minute of every day for months. The prosecutor revealed that the family had spent over £1,000 on takeaway food in the months before Kaylee's death, and the remnants of those meals were left in Kaylee's bedroom. Text messages were presented between Kaylee's mother and Kaylee's older sister. One addressed to Sarah Lloyd Jones read Not being funny, but you need to sort Kaylee's room. It's a fucking mess. Nothing can be found because of what a mess it is. It's disgusting. Katie had a bag of piss left from this morning and yesterday on the floor. It's fucking disgusting, Mum. Further electronic correspondence from Katie was read aloud, asking for her mother's help to check if she had soiled herself. Sarah Lloyd-Jones responded, For fuck's sake. Kaylee also complained about the flies in her room, which often landed on her. Her mother texted back, They like you. Lol. Sarah Lloyd-Jones' counsel argued that his client had a low intellect and struggled to cope. Lewis Power KC representing Lloyd-Jones said, during the lockdown period when so many people suffered, not just mentally but in socialisation, she became gradually overwhelmed. Her coping strategies coupled with lockdown led her to develop major depression and she was no longer able to care for her daughter's needs. 
It escalated to the horrendous situation where she withdrew from her everyday responsibilities and led to a catastrophic outcome. She accepts she neglected her duties of looking after her daughter. Alan Titford's counsel argued that the family had been let down by a lack of support and services. In a live-streamed hearing, Mr Justice Griffiths addressed Cayley's parents and outlined the case, a first of its kind. Cayley Titford made a success of her life. Her physical disability from spina bifida left her without much movement or feeling in her legs, but she was an accomplished wheelchair user who was competitive in national wheelchair sports. She went to a mainstream school. She had a learning assistant to help her with things in school she simply could not do herself, but she would not allow people so much as to push her wheelchair or open a door for her. Everything she could do for herself, she did. But she died just after her 16th birthday. You, Sarah Lloyd-Jones, her mother, and you, Alan Titford, her father, caused her death by shocking and prolonged neglect over lockdown which you, by your guilty plea, Sarah Lloyd-Jones, and a jury by a unanimous verdict, Alan Titford, have proved to be gross negligence manslaughter on your part. Mr Justice Griffiths went on to highlight how Cayley's parents did not do enough despite the assistance that was available. There was a history of missed appointments, Some of these ended the provision of relevant services because professionals took the view that there was no point in scheduling appointments which were not being attended. Both defendants were aware that help was available from a variety of agencies, but they did not make full use of that help as time went on. By the end, they were not accessing or accepting any significant help at all for Cayley. The whole burden of looking after her therefore fell on them, but this was not for reasons beyond their control. It was part of their gross negligence towards the well-being of their daughter. I do not accept that Alan Titford thought that Sarah Lloyd-Jones was looking after Cayley well enough on her own. It was obvious that she was failing. He did not need to look at her legs to see that. He would go into Cayley's room from time to time, as he did on her birthday and when he got back from work on other days. But he ignored the smell and the dirt and the flies and the chaos and the evidence of his own eyes and nose that she was not getting the care she needed. There are texts in which Sarah Lloyd-Jones begged for his help. He didn't give any help. His long hours at work are not an excuse. He liked working. He did not like helping. He was, as he freely accepted, too lazy to help. He expressed some scruples 
about getting involved in the personal care of a daughter who had reached puberty. But his neglect was total. And he could and should have done more to help and ask others for help. Instead, when he was not at work, he sat in his bedroom upstairs watching television. The judge weighed up the aggravating and mitigating circumstances of the case. This was a horrifying case, a case of sustained neglect, leading to the death of a completely dependent, bedridden, vulnerable, disabled child at the hands of her own parents. I do not accept that any blame that may have attached to outside agencies for not being more proactive can be used to reduce the defendant's primary responsibility as parents to reach out for the help which they knew from experience was available. Help was there for the taking. It was there for the asking. It had been given before. Both defendants completely neglected to get the help that Kaylee needed, and sometimes it was ignored when it was offered. This can be seen at earlier periods from the evidence and in the chronologies from medical and other records. It is a case of criminal neglect and gross negligence. It is a particularly serious case of its kind, and that does require some upward movement from the guideline starting point. Sarah Lloyd-Jones has no previous convictions, and Alan Titford has no recent or relevant previous convictions. That is mitigation. I accept the personal mitigation put forward on behalf of both defendants. I accept that both parents have been grieved by the loss of their daughter and that Sarah Lloyd-Jones is now correctly diagnosed as suffering from a major depressive disorder. I accept that she struggled with the care of Kaylee. Alan Titford also has personal mitigation to which I have given weight. I do not accept that either defendant has shown remorse that should count as significant mitigation. Alan Titford pleaded not guilty and even to the author of the pre-sentence report blamed his partner and even his daughter. Sarah Lloyd-Jones pleaded guilty and will get credit for that. But Dr Tizard's report and the pre-sentence report show that she still continues to try and shift blame elsewhere and to minimise her own responsibility. Mr Justice Griffiths took into account the fact that Sarah Lloyd-Jones had pleaded guilty and sentenced her to six years in prison. Her partner, Alan Titford, was sentenced to seven years and six months. Following the sentencing hearing, the spokesperson for the NSPCC Cymru made a statement about the case after it was reported that a safeguarding review would be completed. Quote, The conscious prolonged neglect of Kaylee Titford by her parents, Sarah Lloyd-Jones and Alan Titford, ultimately caused the teenager's death. People will be asking how any child in our society could suffer like this without anyone intervening to prevent such a tragedy. 
The forthcoming child safeguarding practice review must leave no stone unturned in establishing what more could have been done to protect Kaylee, so other children do not suffer such appalling neglect unnoticed. So where are we now? There was a public outcry over the sentences Kaylee's parents received, especially as it had been proven that Kaylee's neglect was prolonged over months, and the apathy towards her dangerous weight issues was evident for years before she died. The sentences had been referred to the Attorney General's office numerous times as potentially unduly lenient and the Solicitor General referred them to the Court of Appeal. William M. Lynn Jones, who represented the Attorney General's office, said, By virtue of the combination of the duration of the neglect, the nature of the victim's prolonged suffering, the extent of the victim's vulnerability and absolute dependence on her parents for care, and ultimately the appalling conditions in which she was left to live and ultimately die. This is an offence which falls into the definition of extreme. On Friday, May 19th, 2023, Alan Titford and Sarah Lloyd-Jones learned the outcome of the referral to the Court of Appeal. Two parents who left their morbidly obese 16-year-old daughter to die in squalor have had their sentences for gross negligence manslaughter increased. Kaylee Titford's father, Alan Titford, was found guilty of manslaughter by gross negligence and jailed for seven years and six months. Kaylee's mum, Sarah Lloyd-Jones, admitted the charge and was given six years. The Court of Appeal has reviewed the sentences and increased them to 10 years and eight years, respectively. Kaylee was found in conditions described as unfit for any animal following her death at the family home in October 2020. After the hearing at the Court of Appeal, Solicitor General Michael Tomlinson said, This was a deeply distressing and upsetting case, and my thoughts today are with all those who loved Kaylee. Kaylee was subjected to horrific neglect by her parents and the court's decision to extend Alan Titford and Sarah Lloyd-Jones' sentences sends a clear message that child abuse will never be tolerated. If you are concerned that a child is being neglected or abused in the UK, please contact the children's social care team at your local council. Alternatively, contact the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children on 0808 800 5000 or email help at nspcc.org.uk. If it's an emergency, always call 999. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.